Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast for another week as we say bye-bye to the Bledisloe Cup and uh, hello to a test against the Springboks uh, South Africa on Saturday night in Brisbane. Sam Worthington and Christy Doran joining me from foxsports.com.au. We're going to catch up with Joel Stransky. 22 appearances for the Springboks, uh, one of their most famous players. He's in the country for Saturday night. And uh, also joining us shortly will be uh, Nick Phipps, live and exclusive from Wallaby Camp. But uh, first up, gents, what's caused your eye, uh, caused your eye, caught your eye rather over the weekend? Yeah, well, I uh, went along to the uh, the Shoot Shield final, which, um, yeah, obviously Nick's was certainly there, front and centre playing in the game, and uh, and Christy was there covering it as well, getting out and amount uh, amongst the fans. Hillbilly Hut, I think you spent some time in, Christy? And uh, fitted right in, I would imagine. Well, thank, yeah. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah, a couple of sneaky beers before interviewing a few of the fans, and then... Um, Why weren't you supporting Nick Phipps, mate? Why were, what were you doing with Waringa? Uh, look, I've got a... I'm, I'm a Northern Beaches boy. Uh, yeah, you got to you got to stay strong to your roots, don't you? Well, let's Let's bring Nick Phipps in. Nick, welcome to uh, the Fox Rugby Podcast once again. Um, you would have just heard that devastating news. Uh, Christy on board with Waringa on the weekend and, and not supporting uh, university. <laughs> yeah, very disappointing, mate. I'm not, not too happy with that. I don't know how you would have gone under the beer bong in the tent, but I'm sure you... <laughs> Everyone had a good time on the hill that day. Nick, I can uh, right. speak from personal experience. Um, I've seen him tackle a beer bong successfully before, so... Uh, <laughs> as, Maybe, as... yeah, this... The students didn't really have too many up in their, their section, so maybe just went where the fun was. I was sitting in the student stand. I was keeping things nice and clean up there. Well, wasn't, yeah, it, well, wasn't the banner saying anyone but students? Yes, I thought that was uh, very clever that they could actually take the mickey out of themselves. It was very, very, very nice. Hey, Nick, um, first things first, um, are all of your ribs intact after one of the biggest hits we've seen? If only there was vision involved in this podcast, we'd be able to show everybody. But, uh, wow, you were destroyed and, and you got straight up, no problems. At all. <laughs> yeah, still uh, picking them out of the dirt at North Sydney Oval was a uh, was a great shot from the the big fella. So you know, it was uh, one of those things on the field. I left myself open, did a deep switch, and I was admiring my pass, and then I was got folded, and it's like the sun just sort of collapsed from the, the sky, and still uh, still a little bit down there, but she'll be right. <laughs> it must have been a nice pick me up, was it? Um, coming off the blitters load to to be part of such a great occasion there, and obviously get the W as well. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, obviously the last few weeks haven't been too great for us and that's pretty well documented, but it's always great to go back to sort of such a pure form of sport, you know. The, I know all the young blokes there at Sydney Uni and I see how hard they work every day and they're just so excited and enthusiastic and to be there a part of that and help out a little bit and see the joy on their face after the game was something that was really special and something I'm really, really happy I went back and did. And it's great too, isn't it, um, for, you know, the, the decider to be able to bring back half the Waratahs side and throw in a, a couple of Wallabies. What a, what a privilege <laughs> it is for uh, yeah, the right, university all, to be able to do they're that. They're all homegrown, don't worry. They're all homegrown. <laughs> I'm surprised so I was Izzy didn't get, get Izzy. If, if Izzy was, was fit, would he have played? I was, I was hoping he would. Yeah. I was asking him, but he was uh, a bit busy. Everyone during the week as well was putting up you know, old photos of great Sydney Uni players like Vix and Jerry Yanu Yanu, and I'll, I'll put Izzy up there and it's uh, shoot shield day. <laughs> so it's good to have him rocking up there for the day. No, no, it was a hell of an occasion at, at North Sydney Oval. And I think 
Um, Darren Coleman actually said, didn't he? He said, uh, we want to beat the best. If that's who they've got available, let's have a crack at them. Yeah, yeah, and he sent, sent us a few few of us a text through the week as well, just like he's saying, mate, um, you know, there's some people loosely affiliated with our club who are sort of bagging it, but he goes, mate, I think it's great. If we want to make Shoot Shield the best comp in the in the country, then we should be encouraging our Wallabies coming back to the comp that, that made them rather than sort of kicking them down. He goes, I think it's fantastic and good luck on the weekend. And oh, that is such a, a mark of such a nice guy and someone who really understands the, the competition as a well. whole. Uh, Nick, you, you came on, what, midway through the second half and had a couple of good involvements. Uh, have you thrown many balls uh, better than the, than the one that you put Tololatu through a halt where he scored and crashed over out wide? <laughs> a few people have said that, but to be honest, it's not really the ball. It's, it's, it's him having the uh, guts to run that line. It could go horribly wrong pretty quickly. So I guess if he's going to run that sharp line, I'm going to make sure I'm putting it on his chest there. And it was good to see him cross the stripe as well. He he had a blinder of a game, you know, and with, especially with Czech and all that watching there, it was important for him to have a good game. And he had an absolute monster of a game. Some of those scrums, uh, the way he can get it, take his props with him were just uh, very impressive. Yeah, his set-piece work was was superb. Look, I think the question we're all after is uh, how did you celebrate afterwards? There was a couple of Instagram (laughs) posts coming out, Dave McDoolan getting really involved. (laughs) Enthusiastic. Yeah, it's good, mate. If those those boys work as hard as they can, then they certainly deserve to play hard. Uh, It was good, mate. We all went back into the sheds afterwards and there was a fair few beers flying around there, a few speeches, and then... uh, you know, everyone's sort of really just sitting back and enjoying each other's company. And then we went back to the grandstand at Sydney Uni and I think uh, a few of them let the dogs out there a fair bit. But it was great. The whole club was there, the, like all the grades, all the cults and, and the women's team as well. And it was just such a great club event. I know they would have done that at Warringah as well. So, you know, that's what makes Shoot Shield so awesome. Certainly right. There was a few of the Wallaroos, I think, across uh, from North Sydney over at Percy's just warming up uh, before the game. <laughs> just uh, firing up. Ran into a couple of them. I have heard stories too of uh, the uh, the Rats supporters bus trip home so win or lose i'm not sure it had much impact on how they celebrated after, after the game was, yeah. uh, i think the game was more of an inconvenience that's, that's, uh, <laughs> i'm just looking forward for a big day on it exactly nick, right. nick we'll bring it back to the the here and now the a huge test match to prepare and by the way you're at you're at sanctuary cove it, it sounds like a bit of a bird's nest up there at the moment there's a few birds. sounds idyllic sounds beautiful it, it certainly is. How's the, how's the first few days been back in camp? Well, yeah, the first few days have been nothing but tranquil. I haven't heard many too, too many bird noises, but it's uh, it's been good, right? Uh, to be honest, we came and we've had a fair few hard conversations. Um, you know, a lot of it around people doing their job and, uh, you know, people being able to do their job in the game. You know, there's nothing worse than training the house down and then not being able to replicate that on the field. And, if you if you don't do it, then the best team in the world is gonna gonna make you pay for it. So it's been solid. Yesterday was a really big session. The boys have been all recovering today, and tomorrow is more of just a fine tune session and, and really knock sort of lock it down so we can go back to Brisbane and, and ready to go. Yeah, it sounded like a, a pretty brutal review uh, with the video, and, and Will Guinea spoke about it as well. It's just simply guys not not reacting fast enough and, and not probably working hard enough under those you know real tough minutes at the end of halves in particular. Yeah, and especially just little things like turnovers. You know, as everyone knows, they scored 10 out of their 12 tries from turnovers. So, you know, it's not about sort of wondering what went wrong. It's about just straight away reacting because if you don't shore up those holes or spread that width and and try and shut it down, then they're going to make you, you know, they're going to be out the other end under the sticks. 
Um, Nick, for those novices amongst us, can you explain? We might find it difficult to understand that you know what you weren't doing when you say, and you've said it and, and Willie said it, and I think it sounds like it's been a bit of a theme up there about everybody needing to do their jobs, but in a match situation, why why do those little things not get done? Is is that fatigue? Is it attitude? I mean, knowing what you didn't do right is different to assessing why you didn't do it right. If you can yeah. see So what, what goes wrong in that situation? I guess it's it's when things are really under the heat, and this is what we've got to get better at. When things are really going full noise, you got to you got to know your role and get there as quickly as possible. Um, you know, we understand things happen like dropped in lineouts or taken out or things like that. But sometimes just you you see something that happens on the field and it doesn't go to script, and you, you it's not even blokes not doing their job; it's about them doing someone else's or you know, feeling like, oh, gee, I better hit that breakdown or no one else will win it. And then we don't have, you know, a back rower out there to play in that next pod to be able to make a three, so then someone else has to go. And it's, it's things out like that that are killing us. And, you know, it's funny, like, you, you're almost saying, like, be selfish. Don't, like, don't cover up for someone else. Just do your job and then, we, then we'll then we get back into that shape. Don't worry about it. So. That sounds like a lack of trust. Is that over overstating it? No, it's just... You know things are going so quickly, and you you know you know the last thing you want to do is lose the ball. So if you feel you're there the quickest, you you're straight onto it, ready to go. Um, sometimes you know people are taken out, and people are moved around, and things happen, and you know you get crossed over. But I guess it's just one of those things that we need to we need to know that we have our job to do, and we can do that, and then we're all we can all move on. South Africa this week, um, you know, chance to have a, have a test yourself um, against a team that uh, hasn't had it all go their way as well. Um, watching their two tests, very different performances, um, great at home and, and, and not so great away. So what, what are the main things that you've you've taken away from watching the box on video? Yeah, well, certainly set pace. Um, I guess we know that they're a massive team. They've got some big boys all, all around the, the team, 1 to 15. So there's no point in, you know, really trying to just T-bone into them the whole game. We're going to make sure that we're we're moving them around and we're making sure that we're, you know, being smart about where we land. Um, we certainly know that they have a very good up and up line speed sort of defence. We know that they're going to bring that all game, and which is a little bit different to the Kiwis. They, you know, they come up quite hard, but then they solve a little bit more. Um, and it's just little nuances between games, you know, like when you're playing different teams week in, week out, you've got to know how they're going to attack and defend. And then, you know, the B team in at camp needs to start defending and attacking differently to what they were the week before. And it's just one of those things that we've got to just... The more time you can spend in front of the laptop, the better. And that's been probably the biggest message this week. I'm sure you would have uh, noticed then uh, the work that, that Fafta Clerk's been doing. He He's a, a really dangerous threat for, for the Springboks, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Not, not, he's, he's a phenomenal attacker. He always looks for the opportunities for himself. He's looking for, for ways to really get his team on the front foot. But something that's really underrated and not talked about is his defence. His, his ability in defence to shut plays down, his speed, his, his, uh, you know, the way that he involves himself to, to shut down plays is something that's really undervalued by a lot of people on the telly. But he's, he's a big threat for us this weekend. Israel Folau, Taniela Tupo, um, both were sort of looking 50-50 earlier in the week. What's what's the latest, mate? Can you give us a scoop on, on how they're tracking? <laughs> uh, Izzy's trained uh, all week really well, so um, I think he'll be all right. I, I can't imagine why he wouldn't be, and, and big, big, big Thor's back uh, 
he's got to be right. He's uh, he's been training the week really well. They're just managing the load that he's got ahead of him. Um, I think you would have seen on Tolu Lato's Instagram the other day him squ- squatting a casual two twenty. So I don't <laughs> think there's anything wrong with him. <laughs> what what do you squat, Nick? <laughs> up around there, but I'm, I'm, I don't want to show up the big boys. <laughs> hard, hard to say. And uh, Tatafi Pilota now and, and Matt Tamura as well, they uh, they bloody ducked back to England and got their coach fired. <laughs> I didn't know that. Did you get the, yeah, the Matt O'Connor got the spear. Yeah, we can only ass- we can only assume it was those two. But no, they they uh, ducked back quickly and, and have they slotted back into camp? They're going to be yeah, they part of preparations. Yeah, they joined us on Monday again. So, yeah, uh, pups sporting a few greys on his face and tough uh, hobbling around a little bit. But he'll be right. The old bull will get him. We'll wheel him back out there. <laughs> that that is a tough call, though, isn't it? Like you, you coach one game into a season and and they and they get rid of you. That's that's tough on yeah, that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hey, um, and the other one that I, I wanted to ask you about is Poey. Um, obviously he was uh, struggling with the neck coming out of uh, the Bledisloe in Auckland, and uh, from what we hear, that, that has been an ongoing issue for him. How is he at the moment? Yeah, he's good. My roomie this week, so I'm, ah. I'm looking after him, getting him his teas and foot rubs and whatever he really needs. Uh, <laughs> he's all right. Um, he is still a fair, fair bit stiff in the, in the neck. I'm calling him Batman at the moment. Not a lot of range of movement, but he's... Uh, no, nah, he's good. It's just, you know, like... So many things are police in rugby nowadays, and you know he's probably one of our biggest attacking threats over the ball, and he's just always getting coat hanged. Um, you know, we're not too sure. I'm pretty sure the laws are still early. You're not allowed to roll someone out by his neck, and I understand why they're doing it because he's the best in the world on the ball. But you know, hopefully they'll keep an eye on that this weekend because he doesn't deserve to have that done to him. Yeah, Glenn Jackson with the whistle this weekend. So uh, it, it, does he demand a? A massage, you know, just before he goes to sleep. Does that does that help him not off a bit better? Is that one yeah, of your just, responsibilities? Just clicks his fingers and, and gets me get over there. But no, <laughs> he's been funny this week. The big roomie, he's uh, he's doing everything he can to make sure he's ready to go. Um, he'll be right. You know how tough he is. He'll be fine. <laughs> do, do, Nick, is there like the the whole rooming with with players? It's kind of an interesting one. Where, who uh, who are some of the better roomies that you've had, or, or the not so good? <laughs> it's, um, you don't want to go with Taff ever because he, he snores lift the roof um, there's, there's funny people like you, you enjoy room with KB and Nardi because they never turn off they're always just joking around bouncing around the room uh, it's been interesting I just hear uh, more than any of the our manager Chelsea Jones, she's been sort of moving people right around. So, you know, previously I think once they knew that people really settled into their routine, they, they sort of kept them together. But people have been sort of bouncing around all over the joint, so you get a chance to room with different people and find out their, their nuances and what they like and what they're up to. And I think it's been really good, it's been quite funny this year actually. How, how do you find out about that? When do you when do you actually find out? Who you oh, mate, when you walk in the door, you get right. your key and you walk in the door. And you just go, ah, oh, you're kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Walk in, I say, Poe, that's my bed, get off. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you just pull those sort of cards. <laughs> but it, it's very funny, especially some, when the, some of the younger boys get together, you, you're always a little bit late to late meetings, so you're onto them and make sure you get there on time. It, it's good. It's really, it's, it's a really unique part of the job. Does Hoops get his own room these days? I think yeah, does. the big dog gets his own room. Yeah, nice. the captain, captain gets his own room, so 
and he'll let you know about it as well. <laughs> hey, um, Nick, obviously there's been a lot of external chatter about Michael Checker and then the pressure that he's under. I imagine you guys as players just, you know, clearly want to win every game, but is there a bit of extra wanting to wanting to, to do it for him and take that pressure off and, and just shut everyone, everyone up? Yeah, uh, as far as we're concerned, there is no pressure. Um, you know, he's our man, and, and to be honest, you could ask anyone in the squad, he's probably the only one that could probably do the job for us. Um it's unfortunate that he's sort of copying so much at the moment when his desire to, to make sure the team does well and team wins is, is more than anyone I've ever met. So I guess uh, the team's stinging for a win every single week, but this week is uh, really important for us to, to show our resilience and our ability to bounce back. And, um, you know, South Africa are, are coming over here and we've, we have so much pride playing at home, especially up in Brizzy. It's always been a great stadium for us. So we're looking forward to putting in a really good performance that people can be proud of back home. Nick, uh, he's, Michael Chuck has now been the, the Wallabies coach for, for almost almost four years, I think. Uh, is that message still as strong as as it was when he became Wallabies coach? Because you obviously, the, the, he was with you at the task beforehand and, and people know about his, uh, whenever you hear someone talk about Michael Checker, the coach, they talk about his ability to, to inspire. Does that is that still as strong? Yeah, definitely. I think you'll see, we've seen a transition in him and he's, he's admitted that like the transition in him, his ability to, you know, play the long game a lot more. He would have said beforehand, his... His role as a coach was to come in, change the system, smash it up, and, and rebuild it, and, and uh, build it in a way to bring success. Now he's he's been in a role long enough to be to, to build a program, you know? and he's um, you know people probably only see him yelling or you know really passionate in the box, but I wish they could see what we see every day. You know his his ability to be able to coach players, know how to get the best out of them, really uh, develop programs. He trusts his coaches underneath him and, you know, his ability to, to control a program is something that he's he's really enjoying uh, developing and something that, you know, we're, we're all really enjoying watching him sort of develop himself as well. The standard response from players is... Um Oh, you know, we don't we don't read the papers and we don't really listen to to what's going on. But but clearly, you are aware of uh, the pressure on Michael Checker. Do do the players talk about that in a in a social scenario? Is there any discussion goes on about it, or or is it business as usual? Well, we don't think there is any pressure on Check. He's uh, but you'd be, you know, you'd be aware of the chatter, though. I would imagine. Well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But- you understand, you know, you people people in this group try not to read anything. They just sort of ignore it and, and focus on their job. But you do, you do come across it. Um, we haven't really spoken about it. We don't really need to. It's, you know, he's our boss. He's the man. Uh, you saw what he did before that World Cup. He got a, he had us for a year and he turned us into finalists. Um, you know, it, it is something that we 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 find. We want to do well this weekend so that we, they can get off his back and we just find it a little bit unfair on, on him. You know, at the end of the day, we're the ones out in the field. But, you know, for us, it's, not, it's nothing we focus on too much. We uh, we want to win every single game. So this one's will be treated just as, just as special as every other one. Every uh, rugby fan is on board with you with that uh, <laughs> this weekend, Nick. We, we want to see the Wallabies do well and, uh, and it's a great opportunity to get back on track against the Springboks. Um, once again, you're a semi-regular, so we do uh, appreciate you joining <laughs> us on, on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Nana, thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate just keep, it. keep massaging Poe's neck. Yeah, I'll look after him. Make sure he's all right. Enjoy that bird song. It sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> see you, mate. Thank you. See you, boys. Thanks for having me. Listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast.
Yes, do want to uh, thank Nick Phipps once again for, for joining us. It's always good and he's always very generous with his time on the Fox Rugby podcast. He's been a big supporter again throughout 2018. I just want to pick up on um, just how important this test match is for Australian rugby, particularly off the back of uh, the two Bledisloe losses and, and what feels like uh, you know, negativity around the game once again at the moment. But it's not going to be easy against the Springboks. It's almost like everyone's breathing a sigh of relief. You think back to last year, two draws. I mean, it, it really doesn't get a whole lot easier. A good side coming our way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes and no. Like, that is going to be a, a decent step down, I guess, from the All Blacks. South Africa have got, got their struggles. Um, I think it's going to be a very intense game, but um, South Africa won't be as accurate as the All Blacks, and that's going to help the Wallabies' chances. But, yeah, I, I think uh, that, that loss in Argentina, um, probably Michael Checker quietly would have been going, thanks a lot, Mario. That's yes. going <laughs> to make life uh, a bit tougher because Rossi Erasmus, he, quite strikingly, quite surprisingly, said he was going to basically experiment against the Wallabies, which is a yeah. bit of a discussion in itself. Well, so that's right. That's a... That's a kick in the backside, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll um, roll out a B team against the Wallabies. <laughs> exactly. So um, no, uh, two draws last year, like you said, and I'd, I think there's going to be very, very little between these teams again. Two very desperate teams. Mm. It's a bit of a dance with the desperates, isn't it? What are, what are the Wallabies at the moment? Fifth in the world? Are they sixth? No, I, think I think they're fifth. I mean, yeah, that that dance with the desperate thing. That I'd, you know, I know it's only a turn of phrase, but it, it just... Well, it is. I think both the, the, the Springboks, they're 7th or 8th at the moment, and they've never been at a lower mark. Uh, we, we talk about Rusty Erasmus going, oh, it's a bit of an experiment, and the reality is he's been in the job for only a few months. So for well, He's still looking for his best side. Indeed. So you, you can understand why he would think, oh, look, this is an opportunity to, to, to try something because against the England series in June, there wasn't an opportunity to do that. That was a series they had to win and, and they did do that, which shows that they're, in, they're, they're, they're a team you can't take lightly at all. No, well, I mean, obviously they had a, a degree of success against England, didn't they? And, and then they come out of the back of that and really in that first match against Argentina in Durban, there were, there were moments they looked like absolute world beaters, South Africa. So when they're on, they, they're really, they're, they're, a, they're a good team and, and they are this team in transition as well. And we've seen it over the last couple of years wanting to play a bit more um, up-tempo rugby when they get the opportunity. And, and, you know, when they do do that, gee, they look, they look good. Yeah, I think Rusty Rasmus, the the signs are, are good, and that's probably a bit of a concern for um, for Australia. The fact that uh, under Alistair Kutsia, they were a little bit of a, a rabble last year, and still managed to get two draws with the Wallabies. So, like you say, you certainly can't be um, underestimated whatsoever. I think one thing that the, the Wallabies, uh, I'm not sure how many supporters will know this, but but having beaten England in the first two Test matches, they were well down after after 30 minutes. So the Springboks a bit like the Wallabies. Uh, they, they struggle to put 80 minutes together. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can they can start playing 60, 70 minutes of top-flight rugby rather than just 40 minutes because that's what they've been doing all year. And let's talk some more about that with uh, one of the most famous Springboks, and we are lucky to have him on the Fox Rugby podcast, Joel Stransky. Welcome to you. It is terrific to, uh, to catch up, and we really appreciate your time. No, it's a pleasure, guys. Lovely to be on the podcast and uh, looking forward to chatting. And looking forward to uh, having you here on Saturday night for what is uh, looming as a, a big test match for both countries, really. But um, just quickly, what are you up to at the moment? What's, uh, what's keeping Joel Stransky busy these days? Yeah, so, so Joel was a corporate animal and left corporate life about seven years ago and set up a business in the 
technology space, and uh, we now have we now have ten businesses in our little stable. We acquired another one last week, and and then we're in the disruptive technology space and and the hosted telephony space. So we we play a lot in the call center area in the sophisticated converged telecommunications, a little bit of AI. It, it sounds all glamorous, but uh, it, it, uh, and we like to think we're building something special, and I know we are, but at times it's quite daunting. <laughs> well, there, there we are. Where, where, whereabouts are you living these days, Joel? I'm, I'm still here in Johannesburg, and you know, when I left the UK, I left the list of tigers and came home. We, my wife is a, is a Durban girl, a North Coast girl, and we came up to Johannesburg for... For, for a meeting, and we're still here. We've never left, and that was after having sworn we'd never live in this place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to to be successful at business, sometimes I think you you need to be in Joburg, don't you? There's there's not a lot of choices in that in that space. Yeah, it is. It's, it's the economic hub, and it's where most of the headquarters of, of all the big corporates are, and you know, where everything happens. And and as much as it's not the prettiest place at the best of times, I mean, it has its moments, but it's not the prettiest place. What it does have is it has a bunch of people that are, are super friendly, that are, you know, they're, they're socialised, so they're a really good bunch of people. We've got some incredible friends there and a great network of mates. We ride our bicycles and we have a lot of fun. We make we make a lot of fun here in Johannesburg. Joel, um, it seems as if the reaction to the, the Springboks at the moment is a little bit similar to what's happening here um, in Australia with the Wallabies, um, the, that public outrage after a, a poor performance. Um, and and Rassi Erasmus was very, very honest and um, you know pretty tough on himself as well as the team after that, that last game, wasn't he? Well, he was. You know, and I think the difference between... Just come back half a second. The difference between the, the Australians and the South Africans where they are now, I mean, you guys got smoked by the, the All Blacks, who are undoubtedly the best team in the world. We, we, we got smoked by Argentina, who, you know, were pretty average for the bulk of Super Rugby and had a five-week spell where they found some form and elevated them up to the world. So, so I think we'd probably be a little bit more worried than you guys. Um, Rusty was quite hard on himself and... and and in a sense, I understand why, and, and, and probably rightly so, but, you know, when you when you just get on the back foot in Argentina and Mendoza against an Argentinian team that are as passionate as they are and can be, it, it, was, it could always have gone a little appreciated, and unfortunately it did. What was more disturbing is that we couldn't find out find a way to turn it around. We couldn't find a way to get our, you know, get back on track and, and get, the, get back to the bit of form we showed in Durban. Just uh, on selections too, and and we were talking about it uh, before you joined us. And there's a sense that Razi Erasmus is still trying to find his best 23. Um, that, that there's still some experimenting going on, and and for some of us it, it feels like that with uh, Michael Checker. Although you know the, the turnover has been huge since the last World Cup, and we thought that well, he probably has got it pretty close to uh, where he wants it to be at the moment. But there's still some experimenting going on. But but how how true is that? Uh, read the box at the moment. Is there there's still a, a great deal of uncertainty uh, with with what exactly the best side is? I think you're 100% right. I think, um, so I do think what Rusty's done is he's come in and he's almost tried to forget the past. He's tried to say, let's not consider reputation, let's not consider form under other coaches. Let's have a look at each individual player on their individual merit today. And, uh, and, and I think that's why he's given quite a few guys a chance. And I think at times it's, um, it's, it's, it's been, 
Yeah, look, Goody, I've got a player in tough circumstances, and the guys who come to mind, there would be an Elton Yankees who, granted, had the worst of the conditions when he, he got a test against England in Cape Town, but then the big games, he's got a good history of going missing, and Rusty gave him a chance, and he went missing again. So I think he's kind of cement his thinking. I think he's trying to look at a number of those young combinations. The midfield pair have got maybe 10 caps between the two, and the wingers are youngsters with loads of pace and loads of talent, but are they coming through? Um, I'll leave four trios, you know, maybe a little imbalance. In the front row, I'm, I think he's not sure who's the best pop star. So, so, yes, to your point, I think he's having a look at, at all those players. I think he's trying to work out who's best in, in which position, in which conditions, and playing with who. You know, so it's not a, just a matter of saying who's the best one, let's pick him. It, it's also about how does he want to play the game. And I think he's trying to find those players who who suit the, the style he's trying to, you know, build into the single culture. Um, and you have the ability to play with the guys around him. And I don't think it's an easy task. I think, um, you know, if you consider our super rugby teams in Australia would be in the same boat, it wasn't that, that the South African and, and Australian super rugby teams really shone and put their hands up. You know, there, there, there's, there's some questions around a lot of players and, and they need answering. And as much as Rusty was harsh on himself, I, I, I'm a believer that he's, uh, he's going about things in the right way. Maybe the players need to also put their hands up and take accountability. Joel, you spoke about um, the, the Springboks and Russie perhaps trying to find their style. They haven't quite just learnt what the, that style is just yet. Has that been one of the issues with the with the Springboks? And and, and you look at Elton Yanty's uh, in Super Rugby and, and the, the way the Lions have performed over the last few years, having that attacking kind of style with Yanty's there at 10. But that doesn't necessarily seems like it translate all the time to Test Rugby, which is which is much tighter and uh, and physical, and, and the forwards obviously control the game a little bit more. So has, has that been one of the, the the major issues there, and, and and one of the reasons why at times uh, there, there's always been the, the the idea of the attraction of Andre Pollard and going back to him. So I, I think yes to the fact that we're not quite sure how. how we best see as a player, but I think in in the back of our minds we know that you know historically and even today we've got a you know we've got some really big powerful boards and that when we are at our best and when we when we are you know smashing other teams and when we are competing with New Zealand we we're dominating the the concentrations we we're dominating the game line and and I think that has to be part of our foundation we've got to be good in the first phase. We've got to be able to more. We've got to, you know, really smash guards physically. That that is in the sort of South African DNA. And 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 as much as there's an argument that the game has moved a, a, bit, a little bit away from that um, to a faster, quicker game where 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 you know maybe skill levels are are much much higher and of more importance. You know, you look back on on the big performances in recent times, and 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 the scrum has become a you know critical factor. The more is that. If we stick to what we're good at and, and, we, and we use that as a foundation, it, it is a starting point. I think the way the Lions played was sensational for Super Rugby um, and, and, and very much in the, you know, the New Zealand mould, but, but I'm not sure that translates into the test arena because, to your point, there's a little bit less space, there's a little bit t- less time. Everyone is a little bit faster, bigger, stronger. Everyone is a little bit more capable, and, and, and it hasn't really, you know, it hasn't worked for the Lions come the knockout stages of the finals. So if you, if you can't translate that into the test arena, it's going to be tough. And, and, and there has to be more to it than you know, just using the width of the field and hoping the defence makes a mistake. 
And Joel, Russie's uh, been bringing back a lot of players from, from Europe and Cheslin Colby's the, the latest to um, to make the trip back. Well, what's your view on that? Clearly, Willie LaRue, Faf de Klerk, they're, they're great players, uh, but there's a lot of debate, isn't there, whether you should be you know picking these guys or, or whether you, you, you try and keep everyone in, in-house. What, what's your take on it? I think it's a few fold. I think um, I think when you want to resurrect a national team, you need to pick the best players. I think that's the first thing. Um, so, so I'm all for it right now. Whether Kevin Colby's the right selection, I, I don't know. You know, we haven't seen much of him. We've seen one or two clips on YouTube of him, you know, starting and creating great trials. Whether whether he'll be able to, you know, move that form into the test arena is, is something that that we'll only see in the next couple of weeks. I think the root of the problem is not so much saying can we select some of those guys overseas. I think the root of the problem is saying how do we keep those guys from going overseas in the first place? Um, the All Blacks have managed to do it with a you know, central contracting system. South Africa appear they're making noises that they're going to a, a similar system that we're going to decrease the number of professional players um, enormously. I think they've cut them down by about half. Um, contract centrally wherever possible. Pay them more, make sure we keep them on our shores. And for me, that's the most important thing because what that creates is, is strong domestic radio. It creates strong um, competition for places. It creates a, a mentorship program where the likes of Dwayne Vermeulen is, is rather playing here at home, passing the baton on and mentoring the youngsters as opposed to playing in, in France or now Japan or, or playing his trade somewhere else in the world. I think we have to have those guys playing at home for the sake of local rugby. So, so I think when you reach the point where we are now, I think it's a good thing that we... You know, pick some of those foreign guys. They've had a tremendous value. If you look at the form of, you know, Sasteklerk, Schmillen in the Indian series, even Willie Leroux at times, granted he wasn't good last weekend. But, but some of those guys who played, who are playing us, who played really well, and, and I think they have a lot to offer. So let's talk a, a bit more about uh, Saturday night, Joel. And, and last year, or there was literally nothing between the two sides, two, two draws. How do you see Saturday night playing out? Is it going to be tight again? I think it is going to be tight again. I think, um, you know, and no doubt Michael Checker and the Australian team will have watched where, where the Springboks came unstuck on the weekend. Um, but, you know, the Australian teams, in my opinion, I think most of us can share the view. The Australian teams have always been a really smart team. You know, what they what they've sometimes lacked in physical ability or skill sets that made up for in the smart area and by, by, by being very clever in the way they play the game. And I don't expect anything different. I think... Um, there were some real good signs in, in, in the test against the All Blacks, as much as it, you know, it ended up being pressure on both occasions. There were good signs. We were leading at half time in the, in the first test was, um, you know, I think everyone was surprised about that. I think some of the, the rugby that the Australians played was, 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 was not, not just really attractive, but, but really effective as well. And so I, so I think they'll, they'll bring that to the, the fore. And most importantly, whether we like it or not, so much of this game is played between the two years. So much of it is a confidence booster. And I think when you run on the field against the All Blacks, particularly away from home, there's always that bit of doubt and there's always that bit of hesitation and, and that self-belief is, is, is always likely to wane once you know the first score comes against you. I don't think Australia will suffer that at, at home. You know, they'll be against the Springboks. They'll be confident. They'll, they'll you know, go through their processes. They'll, they'll, they'll be clinical. They'll hopefully, for their sake, they'll want to take their opportunities and I think it'll be tough for the, the Springboks. You're coming off the exact opposite, you know, a loss away from Argentina, a bad loss with some poor, a poor performance. You know, they'll have to elevate their game enormously. But, but again, I think you're I think it will be close. And, uh, and I'd like to think if, if our boys are up for it and they, 
that they physical and they don't make defensive errors, that they, they will have a chance to win it. Yeah, you, you sort of touched on it a little bit there, but tactically, what, what do you think the, the Springboks game plan will be and, and who will be worrying them out of the Wallabies lineup? Joel, we can't wait, and uh, you know it's just as important for Springbok rugby as it is for uh, the Wallabies on Saturday night. Two teams with a hell of a lot to play for, and uh, we look forward to to seeing you in Brisbane. Safe travels, and thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. No, only with pleasure, guys. And look forward to catching up on Saturday after the game for a nice, a nice glass of good Australian red wine. <laughs> yes, we might have to do that. Yes, <laughs> if, twist, twist our arm. Yeah, it's so. <laughs> a part of the game, isn't it? Exactly right. It's the best part of the game sometimes. <laughs> Very much so. See you, Joel. Thanks, mate. Cheers, guys. See you on the weekend. Take Bye-bye. care. You're listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Joel Stransky, and uh, he is not only uh, one of the most, or if not the most, uh, famous name in Springbok rugby, considering what he managed to achieve in the 95 World Cup. He's also one of the nicest humans you will ever meet. So terrific to have him on board this week. And uh, like he says, it is uh, a very important test match. Certainly is. I'll tell you what, a glass of red with him wouldn't be too too bad, by the way. There are there some people that you, uh, that you get the opportunity to do that with, and you just sit and you listen. And, and there's no need to say anything. You just you just sit and you listen. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's one of those people, a hell of a nice bloke. Yeah, the South Africans are very humble sportsmen, aren't they? Like, they achieve some amazing things, but they uh, tend to be very, very humble. So, yeah, great to chat to him. I'm still having a few nightmares about uh, that, that drop goal as a New Zealander. I'm sure Andrew Merton's uh, another friend of Fox's as well, <laughs> but we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. So let's talk a bit about, well, there's two test matches. So um, before we finish up, firstly, the box and, and the Wallabies, what, What's your gut feel? I, I'm finding it really hard. I mean, of course, I desperately want Australia to win, but to actually run a rule over over the two possibilities, I'm finding it really hard to do. Both teams have showed a little bit at times and, and both teams have been poor at times over the first two weeks of the Rugby Championship. I think we spoke a little, well, Joel's touched upon it with, with the idea of the style that the Springboks want to play. I, I don't know if they necessarily know exactly how they want to play the game just yet and that's one advantage I think the Wallabies have is that under Michael Checker they are pretty clear in now how they want to play the game. So that's a, that's a big tick and they also have really established 9, 10, 12, 15 combinations, assuming Israel Folau is going to be fit there. You look at the Springboks, and yeah, Faf has been there for a while, but they're still quite, not quite sure who their 10 is going to be. Andre Esterhausen's been playing 12 there a fair bit recently. Is he going to continue there? We're not quite sure just yet. But 
for for that reason, I think the Wallabies can take a lot of confidence knowing exactly who the, who the, who's going to be there and how they're going to play the game. Yeah, it is a tough one to call, and there's going to be two pretty pent up, angry teams after you know a week off after really tough results. Um, so I, I think there's going to be a huge amount of intensity in this game, certainly in the in the collision zones and in the, the set piece, and it's probably going to be come down to who can be accurate, who can keep their their heads, and and, and as Nick Phipps talked about, sort of trusting teammates and, and that's that sort of stuff. I think it's going to come down to, but so that. Because away record is pretty dismal, so um, mm. that's that's certainly a, a positive for for the Wallabies. What about the curtain raiser? Can we call it a curtain <laughs> raiser? Um, the uh, the All Blacks and uh, Argentina in Nelson Trafalgar Park in in Nelson. So they're taking it uh, out of the big city lovely centres. part of the world. It is indeed the top of the the South Island. Yeah, they don't get uh, too many test matches there, so it'll be interesting to see how it uh, comes across on on television. Looks like lovely conditions during the weekend. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of changes from the, the All Blacks. It looks like uh, widespread changes potentially with Richie Moanga likely to get uh, his first test start at number 10, so that's going to have a huge amount of interest. So, yeah, really looking forward to that. Ang- Angus so Tau- is that a selection, uh, you know, Bowden Barrett being dropped? <laughs> He's been <laughs> dumped. Yeah. I-, I might type that up as the headline tomorrow. Yeah, shock, Barrett shock dumping. dumped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Kiwis in crisis, dumping, mm. dumping Bowden Barrett. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been very carefully planned, uh, even, even to the point where Moanga was, I didn't actually realise this, but he was, running out doing the drinks during the bled is low and getting in amongst the, the team talk so he could learn how to drive the team when his time came. So, yeah, he, he's ready to rumble after a couple of weeks off, I think. Mm. You give Argentina any chance of just creating an absolute boil over, considering that clearly they've taken another step? Well, what we've seen from Argentina for the last few years is that they typically push the All Blacks for 40 minutes mm. and, and a little bit like the Wallabies of late, things just don't go to go to plan in the second half. But you look at the Argentinians, how they did in Super Rugby. They, well, they were unbeaten in New Zealand, I think, this year. Um, and knocked tack- over the Blues and the Chiefs. And the Chiefs, yep. yeah. yeah. So, look, I think they'll take some confidence there knowing that when they came to Australia and they came to New Zealand, I they, think they were I, undefeated. I think only one Australian Super Rugby, Super Rugby team uh, beat. The Haguaras this year, didn't mm. they? You, you think that? Oh, it was the Reds. Uh, the Red, the Reds certainly did it. Uh, the, the, and, I, and I'm the, pretty the, sure that uh, yeah, the, the Brumbies the lost at home, lost. the Rebels lost at home, and the Waratahs got dusted too. You're mm-hmm. right. So look, I think the Argentinians can't be taken um, lightly at all. But you, you have to think the All Blacks are going to win this and, right. and win this well. Yeah, favourites for a reason, of course. Yeah, but of course. Uh, Nico Sanchez, um, you know, he, he's a bit of a mercurial player. But when he's on, uh, as he was in 2015 World Cup, he's one of the world's you know, premier playmakers for sure. So um, if, if, yeah, if he has a day and his forwards come to the party, I think Mario Ledesma, it's, a, it's a nothing to lose scenario for them, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be, I think they'll be in it sort of after 50, 60 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's just the classic case of whether they can hang for the 80. It's, the thing that the Argentinians makes them so tough is all the offloads and, and that can disrupt teams and it has in the All Blacks in the past. So watch out for that. The, um, the back rolls. I'm led to believe the uh, Fox Lab, the uh, Fox Sports Stats Department is, uh, is running a, a tally on how many times Nicholas Sanchez uh, goes down, sits, goes down and, and calls for the trainer. <laughs> yep, yep. He's got a, that football mentality. Yep. He knows, knows what he's doing. Yeah, yep. yeah. No, he's, uh, his hamstrings aren't going too well, Nico. Mm. Looking forward to that. That's what five thirty-five. But Nelson, well, that's where the Wallabies were camped for a little bit, wasn't it? During the the twenty eleven World Cup. Yeah, I'm, I was trying to think. Do they have Russia or America? 
in uh, the US in Nelson. One of those. Well, either way, what, Phipps might have been on the wing on that occasion. I think so, yes. <laughs> I think so. Was it, Drew did his hamstring, didn't he, in, in Nelson? Was that in Nelson? I'm pretty sure it was. Could have been in the first couple of minutes. Pass. We'll ask him later on, eh? Mm. Nelson. Uh, you're apparently not supposed to ask questions that you don't really know the answer <laughs> of, so having just done that, we'll leave that out there. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? The uh, the All Blacks pretty easily and uh, and the Wallabies by a few? Yeah, not not many at all. I think the set piece is really going to uh, concern the, the Wallabies. I think it will be interesting to see if they go with um, the extra kind of on-baller or if they go for a Franco Mostart and play him in the back row and then have that real line-out strength. Um, so that, that will be an interesting selection battle to watch and, and how the Wallabies scrum stands up against someone like the Beast and uh, uh, and Malcolm Marks. If you've got Malcolm Marks there, I don't think you need to necessarily play the extra on-baller. So I, I would think Mostart could be it could be starting in the in the back row yeah Wallabies by a nose just because of the the home advantage I think um and and yeah David Pocock obviously a, a key man Kirtley Beal um to, to hopefully unlock the the South Africans but yeah nothing nothing in it that 20 minute opening 20 minutes is just going to be huge the Wallabies I think really have to they can't be behind after 20 minutes I don't think uh gents thanks very much uh for that it was Really good to catch up with Nick Phipps, as always, but particularly Joel Stransky this week. Uh, really good to see him heading our way as part of Super Sports coverage, and, uh, and we'll be in Brisbane on Saturday night as well as we'll, part of Fox Sports coverage. We'll have to try to catch up with him uh, ahead of the, the Wallabies test in, in South Africa too. Yep, and uh, hopefully by that stage... In that little encounter, the Wallabies might be one up against South Africa. We're going to find out on Saturday night. Uh, Thanks once again for your company on the Fox Rugby Podcast.